This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. I read about a submarine that had been disabled, and it was on the bottom of the ocean. And they sent divers down to examine the, the sub. They didn't know whether there was still life aboard. And when the divers got close to the sub, they could hear some knocking come from inside. And one of the men detected that whoever was doing the knocking was sending Morse code. And the question they were asking, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Maybe that's a question you're asking. Maybe in your life it has become so complex, so confusing, that you're asking, is there any hope? Today we're going to be talking about our glorious hope. And I want to encourage you to stay tuned. I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you today to Getting to Know Your Bible. Today we're offering a free Bible correspondence course and that you might know more about this course and how you can receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to call your attention to the 24th chapter of Luke's Gospel and the first three verses. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. They found not the body of the Lord Jesus. No one has ever found his body. And his grave is still without a tenant today. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact of spiritual significance. Because if Jesus Christ has not been raised, then we have no hope. We are of all men most pitiable. You know, all people through the ages have been worshipful beings. That is, they, they have worshipped some higher power. Now, they may have had a misconception about that higher power. They may have worshipped an idol. They may have worshipped a stone, they, some other object. But that doesn't discount the fact that all people have been religious beings. 
And also men through the ages have had some anticipation of life beyond the grave. Now for the Indian, that conception was a happy hunting ground. And for that reason, he would have his bow and his arrows buried with him. And despite his uh, conception of the future life and misconception of the future life, it doesn't nullify his claim that a future life does exist. You see, God so made man that all people everywhere have had some anticipation of life beyond the grave. Even those who are unbelievers have had some inkling of life to come. It was Robert Ingersoll who was asked to speak at the graveside of an infant and in so doing, he betrayed his infidelity. As he was standing there, he said, My friends, I know how vain it is to gild a grief with words, and yet I wish to take from every grave his fears. Here in this world where life and death are equal kings, all should be brave enough to meet what all have met. From the tree of life, buds and blossoms fall with ripened fruit. And in the common bed of earth, babes and patriarchs sleep side by side. Why should we fear that which will come to all that is? We cannot say that death is not good. We do not know whether death is the end of life or is the door of another. In view of the death and the grave, even unbelievers say it's possible. Now Job asked the question in Job 14 and verse 14, if a man dies, will he live again? Now how are you going to answer that question? Or better yet, who can answer that question? Confucius, Buddha, Mohammed, Mary Baker Eddy, Joseph Smith, some other man, some other person? Jesus Christ came into the world to answer that question for time and eternity. You see, the Bible teaches there's going to be a resurrection. In John the 5th chapter in verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, if we were to ask Jesus, Jesus, is there going to be a resurrection? He would say, absolutely. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 11, when he came to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and of course Lazarus was dead at this time, and Martha acknowledged that Lazarus would be raised again in the resurrection of the last day, and, but, and Jesus said, I am the resurrection of the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Friends, the Bible teaches there is going to be a future resurrection. And I suggest to you that any person who goes home to heaven beyond the grave will go there because Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God and because that individual accepts the doctrine of the resurrection gospel. Make no mistake about it. God has the power to raise the dead. 
Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1.19. According to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead. Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God. You know, we live in a marvelous age. I am thankful that I was uh, able to live during what we sometimes call the space age. I recall the time when man uh, went to the moon. And that was such a wonderful thing that happened in that day. And I'm thankful that now we're beginning to beef up our explorations in space. But I got to thinking about it one day. You know those people went up to the, up to the moon? Suppose one of them had died while they were on the moon. There's not a scientist, there's not an engineer on the earth. If you were to take the knowledge of all of them combined, there's not a one of them that had the power to bring that person back to life. But God has that power. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of God, came into this world of sin and suffering and sorrow. And He was taken by wicked hands, crucified and slain. And then after His death, He was taken down from that cross by loving, gentle hands and placed in the borrowed tomb of Joseph from Arimathea. And then three days later, He came forth from that tomb, raised by the power of God. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Bible lands, and our guide took us to the alleged site of Jesus' burial, the tomb where He allegedly was buried. And I recall standing there, and I had in my pocket a little New Testament. I took that testament out. I turned it to the book of Matthew, chapter 28 and verse 6. And I read these few words. He is risen. That's the important thing. As someone said, the important thing is there's nobody in that tomb. He has been raised by the power of God. And make no mistake about it, God has that power. Now I'm aware that there are those who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I'm aware of that. It could be possible that some of you have wondered about it. Did that actually happen as the Bible declares? There are some theories that people have about what happened to the body of Jesus and one of them is called the stolen theory. That they say that the body of Jesus was, was stolen from the tomb by his enemies. And then when the body went missing, people began to declare that he was raised from the dead when in fact the enemies took his body. Well, let, let's think about that for just a minute. Let's think sensibly about that, if you will. First of all, there was a death penalty connected with a tampering with a tomb. Do you believe that those enemies who already had Jesus where they wanted Him, that is, dead in the grave, would risk their lives to take the body of a man they thought was an imposter? Secondly, 
the disciples of Jesus did not expect Jesus Christ to be raised. They did not take that body. Some say that the friends of Jesus stole the body. But let's, let's go back to the enemies. The idea that the enemies took the body. If in fact the enemies of Jesus took his body out of that tomb, why, not, why on the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts, when Peter began to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 2, verses 22, 23, and 24, and especially in verse 24, when he said, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, for it was not possible that he should be holden of it. If those, he was preaching that message to the very people who were guilty of Jesus being in that tomb. Now if the enemies have stole that body, here was the place to disprove it that he was raised from the dead. Here were the people to disprove it. This was the time to disprove it. They could have presented the body and said, no, here's his body. He's not been raised. The, the enemies did not take the body. The friends did not take the body. And the reason is, Jesus had been raised from the dead by the power of God Almighty. Well, there's another theory, and that's the hallucination theory. So some say, you know, People just thought they saw Jesus after His death on the cross. They just hallucinated, and, and, and Jesus Christ really was not resurrected. I suppose that it's possible, I suppose, for a person to just imagine something, that they see something that's not really there. I have an idea. I'm talking to someone right now that has had that to happen. It's happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you as well. I remember one Sunday morning I was on my way to begin a series of uh, preaching services in a, in a revival and I was riding up the interstate and it was early morning and it was a little foggy and, and I saw in the distance, that is in my mind, I saw in the distance a man standing by the road with his thumb out hitchhiking. That's what I saw. That's what I thought I saw. But would you believe that when I got close enough to see what it actually was, that hitchhiker turned into a, a speed limit sign said 70 miles per hour. I, I thought I saw something wasn't actually there. I suppose two people could imagine. But, but, but could you conceive of over 500 people having the same hallucination? In the first, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we're told that over 500 brethren saw Jesus at one time after His resurrection. I don't believe that many people hallucinated, do you? The fact is Jesus died upon that cross and Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of Jehovah God. And the Bible teaches His resurrection. For example, in the Old Testament, in the 16th Psalm in verse 10, there the psalmist said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. When someone says, How do you know that's talking about Jesus' resurrection? I know that because in the second chapter of Acts on the day of Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection, the apostle Peter was preaching the first recorded gospel sermon under the worldwide commission. And on that occasion, he preached about Jesus. And in verse 24, he, in verse 24 and 25, he talked about his resurrection. 
And he says in verse 24, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. And then in verse 31 says, He seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. Well, what is he talking about? Peter quotes Psalm 16 and 10 and verse 25, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy to see corruption. So he refers back to a prophet. And the prophet was David. And they said, this is what David said. And he said he was predicting Jesus' resurrection. The Bible teaches Jesus Christ's resurrection. As a matter of fact, Romans 1 and 4, He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, He was wounded for our offenses. He was raised again raised again for our justification. Oh, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead by the power of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now please listen. If if you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember this. His resurrection is the keystone of Christianity. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, the church has no foundation. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, we have no hope beyond this life. Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead is what gives us hope of life to come. The fact is, the entire fabric of Christianity is woven around that empty tomb. Someone says, well, you know, Brother Lambert, I believe everything you've said about Jesus' resurrection. I believe Jesus has been raised from the dead. Absolutely, but why should we be concerned about it? In the age in which we live, in this enlightened age that we live in, why should we be concerned about something that happened almost 2,000 years ago? We should be concerned about Jesus' resurrection because His resurrection from the dead tells me that death is not the champion of life. Sometimes we are called, unfortunately so, to the silent halls of death, come to the cemetery, and we stand by an open grave and about to commit the remains of the individual into the earth from whence it came. And when you stand there from that point of view, it looks like death is conquered. But because Jesus has been resurrected, our souls can say thanks be to God who gives us the victory, the hope, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, He is our glorious hope. Our glorious hope. We ought to be concerned about His resurrection because it tells me that He is the one and only one that I can trust with my soul. In John 14, in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in light of that passage, we do well to listen to Jesus, not to some man, not to some teacher. We need to listen to Jesus and what Jesus says. Always be willing to check behind those who teach you to see if they're telling you what Jesus said. But because Jesus has been raised from the dead, I know that I can trust Him with my soul. There are lots of people I admire. There have been men who were preachers of the gospel that I had a great deal of admiration for. There are people I study about and read about in the Bible that I admire. John the Baptist, for example. I only wish we had more preachers today that had the courage and the backbone of John the Baptist. But John didn't die for me. He was not raised from the dead that I might live. But Jesus was. I trust Him. I trust Jesus. And another reason we ought to be concerned about His resurrection because you see this is the goodness of God to get us to believe on His Son and to repent of our sins and, and to obey Him by confessing that we believe in Him and to be baptized into Him. Romans 2 and 4 says, No, you're not the goodness of God. Lead you to repentance. You know, in the 16th chapter of Luke, is a story about the rich man and Lazarus. And possibly you're very familiar with that story. And if you're not, well... It's in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31. And here was a man who had some brothers to die. And he thought that if, if uh, the rich man was sent back to his brother's house, someone back to his brother's house, rather, that his brothers would repent. Well, he says they have Moses and the prophets. He said, no, if someone went back to, his, to talk to them, they would repent. This poor man believed that if someone went back from the dead to his brothers and talked to them about their souls, that they would repent. And he was told if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded that someone rose from the dead. You and I have the resurrected one. You and I have the one who not only lived and died, but the one raised from the dead to get us to believe on Him and to repent of our sins, to turn to Him and to be willing to do what Peter told the people on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, why? For the remission of sins. Have you ever thought about that resurrection message of Jesus? You, you know, when we elect a new president, he always makes a great inaugural address, and that, that address is written down in the annals of history. It's studied, it's examined, it's scrutinized, criticized. But have you ever thought about the great inaugural address of Jesus? So suppose Jesus could be here where I'm standing and deliver that message to you. According to Matthew's gospel, this is what Jesus said after his resurrection. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 beginning, 
He said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the ages. If he could be here and deliver the message according to Mark's gospel, he would say beginning in verse 15, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he who believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. And if he would deliver that message according to Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 24 and in verse 49, he, he would say that repentance, in verse 47 rather, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, now there are three things that follow if we're going to respect that message. If we're going to honor the resurrection message of Jesus, three things that we must do. Number one, we must preach the doctrine of repentance for the remission of sins. We must preach baptism as being essential to one's salvation. And furthermore, if we honor that message, we must preach baptism as being essential to one's salvation. Jesus in that message said, He who believes is baptized, shall be saved. I'd urge you with all of the love of my heart to honor this message. Friends, Jesus is our hope. Not a hope. Jesus is our only hope. I want to thank you for watching today. And I would like to invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And if you're not certain where it is located, if you will get in touch with us, call us or email, then we'll get you that information. Also right now, pick up the telephone without hesitation and call for the free Bible course, or you can take that course online. Join in hundreds, yea, thousands of people who are studying the Bible using this Bible correspondence course. And I want to thank you for watching today. You are a blessing to me, and I trust that this program is a blessing to you. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, is my fervent prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.